0: Hey, I wanna welcome you to part one of our discussion on squats and squatting titled, Squat Your Way to a Higher Vertical, Quicker First Step, Healthier Knees and a Bigger Contract. We really break down the fundamentals of squatting, why it is so important for your vertical jump, why is it so important to help you have healthier knees and avoid injury, and why it helps you become more explosive, have a quicker first step, It's so critical to learn proper squat form and to do it correctly really takes some time and really takes some training. So I hope you enjoy this episode and I hope it helps you have a better career, put up bigger numbers, have a bigger contract. So without any further ado, here's Coach Sean and I breaking down squatting and how it can help you in your basketball career. So what is up? Elite Training for Basketball. Sean, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. How are we doing? Very good. Very good. It's a wonderful day. Beautiful day in the neighborhood, as uh, Fred Rogers used to say. (laughs) Um, What's up with you? How's your training going? I know we're not, uh, you know, we don't work in the same place anymore, so we don't get to talk much. It's too bad, man.
1: Uh, So last week I was dealing with a little hip issue that kind of went away i guess it's sort of weird my body i don't know and i don't understand it sometimes but i think i was dealing with like a hip impingement or some like labral issues or some bursitis or something down there in the yeah. the glenohumeral joint or i'm um, sorry the acetabulum down there in the hip joint but modified stayed out of the range it stopped being pissed off i hit uh, i worked up to 95 percent on my clean and jerk and my snatches and i hit them with no misses. So that was really cool.
0: Nice. What does it feel like? Cause I haven't seen you miss that often, you know, and I've, I've seen you work out plenty of times in the gym, but uh, yeah. I know, obviously if you're dealing the 75s, 80, 85s, you probably shouldn't miss that often right? At all. But um, yeah, well, I mean, what, what does that look like to you in your training? Um, usually it's bad position. So if
1: I, usually if I don't get a good setup off the floor and I get a pull, sometimes I'll be too far on my toes in the power position instead of staying flat footed. And when I, when I go to catch a snatch, for instance, uh, I won't have either gotten under it enough or pulled it high enough. So my elbows bend and then I kind of just, the weight falls on me as opposed to having like a really nice sticky lockout. Wow. So on my snatches, I kind of just, my elbows bend. I can't keep the weight. I, uh, I put one on my Instagram story where I actually try to hit, I was having a bad day, bad sleep, bad food. Um, and I, I, I lost one over and I had just enough wherewithal to catch it on my back like a squat. And it was, wow. I could have hit me in the head and
0: yeah.
1: conked me out. But, uh, um, yeah, normally it's just out of position. If I'm not properly balanced, I'll just, I'll throw the weight behind me. Or if it's a clean and jerk, um, usually it's the jerk that I'll miss and I just won't get the lockout on the elbow or the shoulder. And so it's squishy when I try to stick it and then yeah. the weight just comes back down on me and I just have to run away from it.
0: People, uh, people really get frustrated with those lifts. But, you know, I've I've tried to tell people, like, it's an Olympic sport by itself. Oh. Like, relax. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> t- it's
1: tough. It's tough. Yeah. It's the same boat. I've tried to, you know, people that are new to it and they're like, I can do that. I can do it. Yeah. And then, you know, they're they do it and then, you know, they might complete the rep, but there's a few things that are missing in between or like yeah. you see a lot of really strong people. They try and, they try and do Olympic lifts and they can do it, but it's like, man, you could double your weight if you had it like this.
0: Right. There's so many technical aspects of that lift and they happen in you know, what four tenths of a second, whatever. Yeah. The time small. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a feat unto itself just to pull that thing up. Uh, my training is going good. I, uh, uh, I'm on, gosh, uh, today I did posterior chain and A was, the A series was seven sets of wide stance good mornings, and the B series was four sets of, of RDLs, so. You're crushed posterior chain. My, my back was already pretty tired from, from squatting pretty big last week, uh, Been over rows, two series of them yesterday, so it was a tough day. I, I, my, the weight wasn't there, but, uh, but I feel strong, feel hey. good. Looking good, feeling good, doing good. That's all you can ask for. That's what it is. So um, I want to get right into it. Um, we're going to talk about squats today. Now, me and you both, this is our wheelhouse. We love squats. We love teaching squats. We love, love squatting squats. ourselves. Um, I guess it's, yeah, this, I wasn't planning on this, but what is your squat PR? I'm curious, or, or ballpark it if you don't know.
1: Um, that's a good question. My, <laughs> my high school squat PR is still my all-time best. Okay. I had hit 405 with knee wraps in a pretty good spot I think. Yeah. Um last year when I was training really hard, I hit a uh, 375. Cool. Um no spot and then I had a a ball measuring my depth, I had a little uh, medicine ball on one of those yeah. little square step risers.
0: Yeah, that's um, always kind of a um, the asterisk in terms of asking people what they squatted. Like, how far down? Did yeah. you Go.
1: <laughs> my ankles don't bend, so parallel is about as good as I get. So yeah. if I can get back at least a parallel, I'm happy with it.
0: Cool. Yeah, I think my PR is maybe 355, if I remember right, back when uh-huh. I was squatting. I did that early on this year during COVID.
1: You got those long yeah. legs.
0: Yeah, yeah, squatting's tough for taller lifters. Pulling's a lot easier, but uh, yeah, for sure. Squatting. And, uh, awesome. and my, my coach right now, he has me doing, I haven't done a deadlift in at least three months. And, and that's really one of my favorite lifts. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but no, we're doing all squatting. So um, I want to go right into it. Let's, um, I'm going to share my screen here. Because there are some things that we need to learn and know about. And one of them is the biggest thing that I want to just lead right off with and get it out on the table and yeah. out in the open is you got to squat to depth. Now, you just heard Coach Sean talk about some limited ankle mobility. Um, you did have an ACL tear as well, right, meniscus. You kind of trashed your yeah. knee. Yeah, yeah. So, tore, my,
1: tore my ACL three and, and that
0: uh, – what year, 2017? I don't know what year that was anymore. Yeah, so I'm not totally – um opposed to partial range of motion squats in certain scenarios and for certain people but full squats um i like to use uh, the i i have always said full squat is redundant because a squat (laughs) to me is going all the way down so full squat is just a redundant term but we're going to use a term that term here um and it's really important so uh, we're just reading here full front and back squats have many applications for athletes Including a better transfer to vertical jump than partial squats. For instance, in the Bloomquist study, training deep barbell back squats led to an increase in vertical jump height of 13% compared to only a 7% gain in the partial squat group. And then a 2012 study from Hartman showed that a 10-week deep squat program led to an 8% increase in the vertical jump compared to a quarter squat training group uh, that experienced no increase in jump height. So we're working about we're working with basketball players. We're talking about uh, optimizing our performance on the basketball court, and uh, yet most basketball players that I know, most basketball players that I've seen, do not squat to depth, and they are doing themselves a tremendous disservice. And you know that's one big, I think, green light moment for basketball players is, wow, we can increase my vertical jump. I need to squat all the way down. Um, but if you look at some of these other things, uh, full squats uh, build stronger, bigger legs. Uh, Full squats, train the lower back for stability, building a more athletic body. I've talked a lot about back strength is really important, especially playing defense, on-ball defense, um, being down in that position. If your back is weak, you'll just start falling forward and keep falling forward. Um, Full squats build bone and are safer for the spine. Most people think it's a detriment to your spine. It's a detriment to your knees. it's, It's the unhealthier way to squat, but in reality, uh, and, and we're not going to read all of this, but uh, in reality, it is better for your spine. Um, it's better for your knees. Um, again, they're talking about these different studies. Um, squatting low to break PRs and explosive activities like jumps and sprints, um, and then full squats require superior flexibility. All right, so we're going to and, and here are the references. I mean, it, it's not like it's not science. There's plenty of science supporting this stuff. So. How do we squat? And Sean, how have you worked with clients who maybe come in and they're like, oh, I'm not supposed to let my knees go in front of my toes. Oh, I'm supposed to sit back in a squat. I I shouldn't go all the way down, blah, blah, blah. Or someone who physically can't do it. How do you work with those those contraindications and those kind of objections? Um, I mean, first things
1: first, I do a little baby squat assessment. I just say, hey, let me see what your body weight squat looks like. Sometimes it's weird. Sometimes weight makes it better. Um, usually, I just want to see what their, what their general pattern looks like without me really giving a lot of cueing. Um, mm. Some people have really nice squats and some people have some weird janky thing they call a squat. Um, mm. But first, I want to look at the mechanics. Um, I'm usually looking for like an even break at the hips and the knees kind of at the same time. Um, and then I'm usually looking for my shin angle and my torso angle to match each other as I go down in my squat. Mm. Um, I always usually find that taller people need a, a slightly wider stance. Just because they have longer legs. I actually have this like anecdotal thought that squat stance width between your feet is roughly about the length of your femur. So if I like measured my femur from my hip bone to my kneecap in length, I feel like that seems to be just anecdotally. I haven't like mapped this out, but yeah, it makes sense for taller people to have a wider stance because they have that longer, uh, that longer femur. So I feel like that works out pretty well. Honestly, the squat for me, however I can get it safely, healthier, and with the range of motion that I'm after, I'll, I'll manipulate either giving heel wedges if someone's got poor ankle mobility um, or mm-hmm. if I give them a target to squat towards. I really like giving somebody um, something to aim for, for consistency, for depth. I look at a lot of um, like low back disassociation from the hip. So if you ever guys butt wink is a term that I use for it, you probably see it in the gym, but when someone squats down and their butt tucks under their backside, and they yeah. get this really like weird looking scoop of their pelvis, yeah. um, I usually try and avoid that as much as possible. So a range of motion for me is dictated by what your body allows itself to do. Okay. Um, and you'll see usually people with less ankle flexibility have more of that low back compensation Right. because the ankle flexibility is a lot is what allows our knees to travel over our toes which allows my spine to stay in a better position so i hate the whole you know your knees can't go over your toes we've touched on that in a previous episode but uh your ankles need to be able to bend to clear space for your hips and your spine to get into full depth so um yeah. squats for me look like whatever i can get a client to do safely healthily, with their limitations
0: i love that um, and, and you actually brought up a point that we disagree on, which is 100% fine um, in that I actually don't mind the butt link. I think it's totally fine. And um, I was trying to find something to pull up to show folks what we're talking about. So once I share my screen again, for those of you who, again, English might be your second language um, or whatnot. So we're talking when we're talking about a, a butt wink, and this is um, let's see if I can find it. This might be the article. Uh, there's a coach out of Germany named Wolfgang Unsold, and he wrote a magazine or a, a blog post. Gosh, this is all in. It's all in German. <laughs> but he does have it in English. But this is the this is the 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 thing right here, the the article. But he's talking about. Uh, basically to butt wink or not to butt wink. And when, yeah, your hips drop below your knees, uh, like Sean was saying, sometimes your hips want to, your butt kind of wants to tuck under. Um, and and one way that I avoid that with with some people is I raise the heels up. Totally. And so um, yeah, I do that here. This is, this is me from a few years ago. Um, brought my heels up a little bit and You'll see very minimal, even maybe not even there at the bottom, yeah, uh, of a butt wink, and that's one way to avoid it. Um, however, the, the butt wink I, I think has its advantages, I think it's uh beneficial and it teaches your body again, moving through a full range of motion and whatnot. Um, but uh, uh going back to angles, this is what you were talking about, so yeah, ideally. Like you said, we're looking at pretty much parallel lines here at the shin bone and the torso. Um, so this line and this line. And I've actually seen people who have mobility, very good mobility. Um, this, just like this guy is actually uh, a higher angle or a shorter angle, I should say, than this angle. Um, yeah. Have you seen that? Have you
1: noticed that too? Um, well, the, the knee angle, as opposed to the hip angle, I think would determine on the bar position. Cause I get, I guarantee if you got this guy with the bar on his back, he's going right. to have a, a great, a smaller hip angle. He's going to be leaned forward more in right. his approach with the bar on his back. But I mean, that's the whole benefit of a front squat is to keep yeah. a more upright torso angle to stress more of the knees. So yeah. whichever joint is working at a smaller closed off angle is the joint we're getting the action through. So front squat for knees, back squat for hips and glutes is kind of my general disposition, but yeah. Whichever has That's a, a great- We're looking at
0: a front squat here, not a back squat. So let's, let's break down. Let's start talking about, um, let's just start at the basics when we're talking with a squat. Um, what I like to have people do is I want people to approach the bar, um, grab it with two hands, pretty much right over the elbows. Um, you get under the bar and you lift the bar with both feet under the bar. I see a lot of people do the staggered stance and it might seem like a, a silly thing, but even those things, I want both feet under the bar, Prop the bar up. You should only have to bend your knees a little bit to get that bar off and stand up. You never should have to stand up on your tiptoes and reach to get it on or off the rack. Um, like Sean said earlier, so once we have the bar on our, on our back, um, one thing I like to make note of, if you reach in the back of your neck, you can. most people can feel a little bone on the bottom of your neck, on the base of your neck, okay, right down here. That is your C7 vertebrae. That's your seventh cervical vertebrae. Um, the lowest in your in your cervical spine after that it's thoracic Um, we never want the bar to be above that uh, above that bone we never want to mess with the neck we always want to be very cautious and careful of the neck so it sits right on the meaty part of your upper back your traps okay so we're talking back squat here so you you unrack the bar you get it off you only need to take one step back and then like sean said earlier you, you initiate by dropping straight down. A lot of coaches, man, it's everywhere. Um, send your butt back. Like you're sitting in a chair squats, aren't hip dominant, squats are knee dominant. Okay. So we're, we're not sitting back like a deadlift. Um, we're breaking the knees and the hips at the same time and just dropping straight down. We're initiating sit, more with the knees Sit on your heels. Yeah. We're initiating more with the knees than with the hips. Like <laughs> a lot of coaches like to say nowadays. Um, There are some benefits to a hip dominant squad and and you might see some power lifters and whatnot, blah, 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 But We're not going into that because we're athletes, we're basketball players. (laughs) Um, And then you want to go all the way down. You want to go to a full range of motion. What that means is you can't go any farther. All right. Your hamstring has fully covered the calf um, and you're at the lowest position that you can go. And then you come up as quickly as you can. Um, Sean, that was just, again, really quick overview, very basic. Um, anything else you would add to that?
1: Um, bracing, bracing the trunk, bracing the, the core. Your, mm-hmm. your abs are a, a natural back belt for your, for your trunk. So oh. I like to think about like blowing out birthday candles or blowing into a balloon where it's a short, quick, and then you squeeze yeah. the abs, you bracing, you're tight um you really want to make sure you have this intra-abdominal pressure through the through the belly button and spine area it's going to secure your hips it's going to make your uh, spine more secure as you descend into your squat so um yeah bracing's big for me
0: sorry about that keep going
1: <laughs> oh no no that's that's all i had just uh make sure you're bracing as you're as you're hitting your squat but i mean like phil said it get the bar on your back. I see people take five steps out of a squat rack. It should be one step like rack rack. I like my hands nice and close, almost as close as I can get them without discomfort. It's going to build a more sturdy shelf on your back with this external rotation. You pull that thing and then one step off the rack. And then I'm trying to sit on my heels. Um, I actually coach a push the knees out as I descend because I'm trying to externally rotate at the hip to secure the pelvis so right. if I can push my knees away as I squat, I clear more space for the femur at the front of the hip. Um, yeah. I activate my posterior chain glute rotator muscles to secure my hips in place. Um, and then I get a, a big brace. So I'm knees out, uh, abs yeah. tight, sit on your heels.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It, it, so I, I forgot one thing too. When you, when you take your step back from the rack after you've, you've taken the barbell, and let's take a step back too. Uh, some people might not even be strong up to, to, to squat a bar. Um, use dumbbells you can front rack them you can drop them on your shoulders you know things like that you can hold a kettlebell yeah there's different ways to squat um, but we want to we want to set up our stance almost always uh, in our vertical jump stance so if you don't know where that is just go try to you know jump up and touch the ceiling or something and where your feet are it's typically right under your hip bones um, that's typically where we want a back squat with our feet about hip width um because that's how we jump that's how we vertical jump so we want to train in that uh width now a front squat will go about a half a foot wider but for the most part that back squat we're, we're find your hip bones there in the front of your hips and then your feet should be right under that um sean teaches drive through the heels a lot of coaches do that i did it for a lot of my career now I'm, I'm, I'm even I'm, I'm I've
1: gotten away from driving through the heels and I've, I've gotten uh, lately in the last couple of years, I've gotten into uh, even foot pressure. I, I right. usually tell my coach, con- uh, wow. Well, I tell my clients, I want you to feel your heels and feel your toes. So I want yeah. you to grab the ground with your heel and your toes. So you have a really good balance between your feet. Yeah. Um, I don't like either one dominant in a, in a bilateral position. I really want yeah. you to feel that bar evenly most people lean too far forward on their toes. So if that's the case, I'll say, I want you to feel your heels on the ground. Rarely do I see people's toes lift up off the ground. That's a lot more rare. So at that point I would say drive your toes down, but I'm really trying to get someone to uh, conceptualize having their heel and their toe on the ground at the same time. They're kind of gripping the floor with their foot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And I typically say, you know, feel the ball of your foot, feel the heel of your foot, and really yeah. feel that whole footprint and really drive through the floor. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned, you tell them to push the knees out. Um, a coach that I follow, he always says, spread the floor. Yeah. client says, what do you mean by that? If these are your feet, when you go to push up, you're trying to do this with your feet. Um, and when you do that, you, you can imagine like your feet are trying to spread the floor you recruit more glute medius, more of those, those hip muscles that, that potentially uh, can help. Now, another coach I follow says that's completely wrong and erroneous. And you're, you're, you're trying to go up away from the ground. So why would you tell people to do this? So I can see both sides Fair. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and, and I use what works good and whatever the client needs uh, is usually where I steer them based There's on so
1: much. It depends. To yeah, everything like it depends hey should i it depends yeah it's just
0: yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned uh bracing your core and i did want to talk about abs and just really quickly so everyone always wants to do abs you know everyone wants a six pack guys and girls they want that lean stomach um, oh, the four best exercises for your abs are squats deadlifts chin-ups and anything overhead so all of the olympic movements they count but but overhead presses um and reason being and most people don't think about it this way, but um, I always use the used car dealership balloon guy. So <laughs> I have two babies right now. One's learning to walk and the one, uh, you know, she can hold herself up, but when she lets go of the couch or lets go of the wall, she kind of wobbles around and then falls down, much like this used car dealership balloon guy. You know what I mean? He's just kind right. of wobbly. There's no stiffness throughout the torso if, you know, this balloon okay. And so, Um, abs are stabilizers first. They're not movers first. They're stabilizers first. And so what we want to do is train them to stabilize. How do we do that? Chin ups, squats, throwing a big bar on your back, picking up a barbell off the ground and then flinging weight around like Sean likes to do and throwing it overhead really creates the abdominal structure that we want. If you can't see them, you might be too fat. That's just a fact of life. You might need to lower your body fat percentage. Um, uh, or we just need to train them a little bit more and, and, and make them you know, grow They're, They They can grow and uh, atrophy just like uh, any other muscle can. So uh, that's what I wanted to talk about the, the abs real quick. Uh, do you want to add anything to that? Um, no, I mean, it's, it's, you think of a teepee,
1: you think of any sort of like building structure where it's a vertical piece. So imagine that's your spine. Usually you have a tower. It's got wires coming yeah. off of it and like a really wide, area and that wideness is the support network and that teeth that you know vertical structures your spine so um they work together to keep your back in a better position yeah. um as long as you're squeezing you're bracing um i like to kind of uh, I have like a bracing sequence i'll squeeze the butt cheeks first to neutralize the pelvis once the pelvis is neutral then i'll brace the abs yeah. um, some people like to arch their back or something and they arch and then they're out of position and then they're locking in a bad position so i usually say squeeze stand up tall put your feet under your hips. Uh, squeeze your butt cheeks to level out your pelvis and then brace your abs off of a level pelvis.
0: Yeah. One thing I'm looking for too, as we're going through the squat is um, the barbell. I'll show you from the side. This isn't probably the best example, but the barbell needs to stay over your feet. So, um, and I'm going to talk about this in a minute uh, for a different reason. Um, Well, let's move it forward. Let's see. I have a, I have a full squat here somewhere.
1: I have a Instagram video. I actually just posted. I have a app on my phone that measures bar path. Okay. It's a, it's a perfect side shot. I don't know if it's a, Oh yeah. You were,
0: you were showing me that. I think I downloaded that iron, iron path, right? Iron path. Yeah. So um, it's tough to see directly from the side. I wonder if Gary here moves to the side, but, but when he does, if he does that barbell should always stay over my feet, anytime it travels in front of your toes, you're asking for a problem, you're creating and causing your back to, to work too hard. Um, the other thing with which I'm not doing correctly here is I always uh, am trying to get uh, my client's elbows to stay under the bar. If you can imagine being here versus really externally rotating the shoulder and bringing the elbows under the bar, it lifts that first rib up and it keeps your, your, your torso much more vertical Uh, than if you would otherwise. So um, bar needs to stay over the feet, elbows need to stay under the elbows need to stay under the bar. And, uh, and again, being basketball players, we need to train those type two muscle fibers. So when you stand up, it should be as quickly as possible. um, Every time, every time as quickly as possible. So while I got this open, um, we talked about how to increase your vertical jump and why squats help and, and, and full squats help for sure. But um, again, if you look at what the vertical jump is, it's a test of the uh, anaerobic power of your body, your lower half primarily. But um, so the more weight we can throw on a bar and train our nervous system and train our muscles to basically move, then when we remove the bar and just go and move on our own against our own body weight and against gravity, it becomes that much, that much easier, that much better. So I posted this just the other day. Um, I'm doing quarter squats here uh, in, in my A series with a two second pause on the rails. And we know that you, you lose, um, so when you are going down in a squat, when you are, are stretching or lengthening the muscles, you are creating basically potential energy. Um, and that, when, if you think about a jump, you're never gonna go down, like if you wanna jump up to grab a rebound, you're never gonna go down and pause and then jump, you're just gonna counter move. You're just gonna go down up uh, as quickly as, can, as you can. You're basically loading up the spring and muscles work better when they're stretched right before they're used. It's called the stretch shortening cycle. So when we eliminate that, you lose 55% of that uh, potential energy in one second, 85% in two seconds and 100% in three seconds. So basically we don't have that stretch shortening cycle and now it's all reliant on how much strength I have. So that's about as low as somebody goes when they when they go up for a dunk or whatever, maybe a little bit lower. But um, I like this movement pattern for basketball players. Um, one, because it stops making them whine like a little bitch about <laughs> squatting all the way down. Okay. <laughs> um, two, you can put a whole heck of a lot of weight on the bar. It makes you feel big and strong and awesome. Um, but that's also just that quarter squat motion is is about the 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 distance down that we go for for vertical jumping so we're really i'm really training you can see veins popping up. like i'm I'm working hard um, but you can really throw a lot of weight and and have fun with it but it is important we then do the half squat so now i'm doing a half squat also with the two second pause i'm coming up as fast as i can i go down in two seconds i pause for two one and then i come back up and again that's going to help you become stronger faster one caveat to that we always want to go full range of motion at the end, even if it's only one set, because we want to tell the nervous system, hey, this is still the movement pattern that uh, is allowable. This is still a movement pattern that is doable. Um, and your, your knees will thank you, your ankles will thank you, your hips will thank you. But it's the fascia that's remembering these patterns and the fascia can actually shut down ranges of motion in a movement pattern that, that isn't used. Oh, there's Dovis. <laughs> so um, so you want to make sure at the end, if you are quarter squatting or half squatting to get a full range of motion squat in there at the end. Sean, anything on any of that? Um,
1: <laughs> I like a lot of that. Um, I mean, not too much to add. I think you, you really crushed that, guys. The quarter squats is like a jump specific angle. So we're working uh, specific ranges of motion for a specific skill, but yeah. we still need to train the body as a system. So when we're training, we compartmentalize skill pieces that enhance skills. But we also compartmentalize uh, whole body systems globally that are going to affect your whole body. So just because yeah. we're doing one little piece of something doesn't mean that's the only way to do it. We still want to do the global stuff also. So there's like skill enhancement, what people call sport specific training, where you're maximizing joint angles and movement speeds, um, but there's also still you have a whole body that talks to itself and is coordinated within itself. So we wanna make sure that we're um, doing all the full range of motion too and making sure our nervous system um, is recognizing that full pattern. So I I agree with everything pretty much you said in there.
0: And uh, I did a change of direction video a while back. It's on YouTube, Uh, you can check it out. But in that video, I reference a study that says um, when we're changing direction in a basketball game and males change direction about a thousand times a game, women about 600 times a game, So you're doing it an awful lot, Um, but when you change direction, the forces that are going through your joints and through your muscles is up to two times your body weight. So what I like to, I use that as a reference point for how strong do my athletes need to be? They should probably be able to move 2x their body weight. Um, I like a 2x deadlift for, uh, for, for males. So if you weigh 100 kilos, you should be able to deadlift 200 kilos that's just a given Um, squatting I like 1.5 times your body weight but just like with that quarter squat I just did that was well over 2x my body weight so there are ways to train uh, the squat pattern at 2x your body weight even though we're not going full range of motion but eventually we potentially could Um, so we're trying to get to a 2x body weight ideally uh, squat and deadlift Um, and if you're at 1.5x For a squat, I'm not going to be mad at you. I want to go squatting. What what, do you have any norms? Do you have any any numbers, any percentages, Sean? You like your athletes to get to? Um, I'm with you
1: on that. Uh, I think I have a lot of the same feels that you have on that. I think two x if you can if you could squat double your body weight, that's ideal. I usually try and say um, deadlift two and a half times, squat two times, bench one and a half times. If I'm just picking the big common lifts that everybody likes to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just as a general number um yeah not not too specific i mean everything's so dependent on the person like if you're longer versus shorter if you're got more bounce versus more strength sometimes sometimes some guys have a really great you know top end vertical jump but they're really weak at the bottom position so i'm finding yeah. positions that we can maximize but um it's a lot of depending again a lot of depends but i like that two times as a general rule of thumb I like working that quarter squat. I like working the full squat, mostly for different
0: purposes, right? Depending on what our goals are. Um, you, you saw me in the video wearing a wearing a um, a belt. I don't normally wear a belt. That set was to four. Uh, all of those sets were four, maybe five. And so um, I typically will grab a belt if I'm if I'm under five reps. Um, I said earlier in the beginning of the show my back's been pretty pretty stiff, pretty tight. So so I did throw a belt on. But if you're training at six reps or above. Um, you really want to take advantage and get your abs stronger too. That belt is literally taking the place of your of your abdominals, your original, you know, stabilizer belt. And so um, you want to you want to use it. You don't want to train with the belt uh, if you're going for PRs. If you're in the singles, the doubles, and the triples, maybe you can wear a belt like I did in the video. But um, for the most part, you know, avoid it. And then the last thing I want to hit on is mobility because um, it's so important. Sean mentioned it. I referenced it (coughs) and as, as weird as it sounds in today's modern world, I do not stretch. I don't care for it. I don't encourage it. I don't need it. If someone enjoys doing it and it's a a stress reliever and it's a calmer like a yoga class, that's fine. Wonderful. I think there are good benefits to it, but um, I don't think stretching is going to help you get deeper into a squat. So how do we get around that? Um, the front foot elevated split squats, into the split squats, into the rear foot elevated split squats. We're training through a full range of motion. We're relearning at the hip, knee, and ankle how to go full range of motion. Um, And so that's really important is to to do the unilateral or the single leg movements um, and improve your mobility there. Um, Another way that I do it is, again, it's fascia that's going to restrict the mobility. And so we need to retrain the fascia that those Full range of motions are possible. So just hang on to some rings or a TRX rope or you know the door handles on a on a door and, and squat all the way down with some assistance and retrain. And then over time you can, you know, use whatever you're holding on to less and less. So you're you're taking the training wheels away. Um, and then you'll potentially be able to. Um, get full range of motion, but there also might be some, some limitations you might need. And there's some soft tissue work, some ART, um, other things like that, that could, you know, some fascial stretch therapy, FST, things like that, that could really benefit you. Um, But, but in the meantime, um, the very first and easiest way to, to still squat to depth, if you don't have the mobility, is just to elevate your heels a little bit, throw some 10 pound plates, throw the, the, the wedges under your feet um and that we're again we don't, we don't have time for it but it's basically going to allow your body to get all the way down um it will also eliminate the butt wink when you raise the heels it eliminates the butt wink sean so uh, i do that a lot with clients um just to simply uh make them not have such a sore back but also make sure that they're getting all the way down full range of motion with no complications or restrictions yeah definitely yeah
1: um Another technique, if you if you don't have wedges or like that available to you, uh, yeah. sometimes a quick little massage or foam roll. And like uh, for me, when I do my clean and jerks, my front squat position, I get restriction through the triceps and through my lats, trying to get my elbow up for a yeah. good front squat. So just before my session, I take one minute and I foam roll my lats. Um, yeah. The myofascial release, what he's talking about is the fascia being restrictive. You foam roll that, you create some pressure through there. It kind of turns off that signal to the brain says, okay, I can relax this signal a little bit with the pressure and the compression from the foam roll. Um, So you can get an acute range of motion increase. Same with your uh, calves. If you want to do that to your um, back of your calves, when you're doing your squats, you can get actually a little bit of range of motion from just doling and dampening the sensory reflexes um, from that fascia,
0: from that muscle group. And while you're foam rolling, you could hold your phone out and get some pretty good selfies and post them to your Instagram story beforehand take advantage of the time, because if it didn't, if there's no photo or video, it didn't happen, is that right? didn't happen. (laughs) Totally kidding. Um, Cool, any last words? We gotta run.
1: Uh, That was a lot. Uh, Ask us questions, because there's a lot, there's so much, like I said, everything depends, range of motion depends, goals depends, how low you should go, how much weight you should be doing, sets and reps, it all just depends. So make sure you guys are asking us questions. These videos are really just uh, general, general concepts that we'd love to be more specific with you guys
0: maybe we should do a part two because i'm feeling very uh it's like you got done with a meal and you're still hungry yeah uh, I'd definitely i definitely be down for a part two i feel like there's so much we didn't cover that we very i'd well love could.
1: to talk about like Stu mcgill and kind of the spine yeah. biomechanics and kind of the rationale i have for the butt wink and the the hip position and yeah. we can get into like you know body anthropometrics and bone adjustments and how people have different shaped bones that allow them to get into different positions. So uh, people feel bad when they can't do what somebody else can do. And I'm like, he's got a different bone structure than you, man. His hips are shallow. He can get low. You got deep hips. Like you're made to rotate. He's made to squat. Like there's different nuances in the anatomy that allow us to, or not to do certain things. And I think that's worth um, kind of describing and helping (laughs) people realize what their anatomy allows them to do.
0: We'll have to do that. Maybe, uh, maybe two weeks. We'll because uh, next week we're good. So maybe two weeks from now, we'll uh, okay. We'll That'll be a good idea. Maybe if anybody
1: wants to add in questions or comments on things they want to see in part two, that would help us out a lot.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea. Add some questions, please comment below, please. Um, you know, join the group if you're seeing this elsewhere, not in our Elite Training for Basketball group on Facebook. Just search Elite Training for Basketball. Um, and uh in get squatting and get strong in the squat you'll see your vertical jump go up for sure as well as you'll just feel better and stronger all around
1: yeah some squats are better than no squats
0: yeah yeah that's true all right coach we'll see you thank you so much all right thank you phil yep see you see ya. <laughs>